Hello, thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. For network or show information, visit byteradio.me or call 843-808-0777. And now, the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Okay, everyone, thank you for joining us for today's show. My special guest is Jocelyn Montanero, and we will be talking about a book that she co-authored with Catherine A. Weisenberg, and the book is called Beyond Ever After, A Heart-to-Heart Journey Through Death and the Afterlife. Through this powerful story about love, spiritual beliefs, and human attachments, Beyond Ever After shines a light on unseen realms of mystery, spirit, and our connection to an infinite source. The book takes us on a journey that transforms how we perceive life and death, and we discover that even in our wildest imaginations barely begin to penetrate the infinite possibilities of consciousness and the afterlife. Readers are encouraged to trust their intuition, connections, and supernatural experiences. For more information, you can visit their website, which is www.beyondeverafter.com. So that, I'd like to welcome Jocelyn to the show. Good day. Hi, thanks for having me. It is my pleasure. I enjoyed reading your book. It's, it was Ah, so easy to read. <laughs> you know? Oh, well, that's um, great. Thank you. I, you know, I, I hope that. I, I read a lot myself, so I, I, uh, I wanted it to be easy to read. So thanks for that. You're, you're very welcome. So I guess, you know, the way to start would probably begin with, if you wouldn't mind, sharing um, your experience that brought you into contact with Catherine. I'd love to. Um, my husband, Kevin was in a coma following surgery to remove a brain tumor. He had glioblastoma. And um, he went in for surgery, and the surgery went fine, but in the recovery room, an artery tore in his head, and he had a massive stroke, and everything went downhill from there. And my sister um, had had many sessions with Catherine in the past. And for your listeners who obviously haven't read the book, Catherine Um, has a gift that she can um, speak with God and people who are deceased and in comas. Well, at least that's what my sister had told me, although at the time I didn't believe it, of course. (laughs) Who would? (laughs) And uh, so, um, but when my husband um, fell into a coma after almost a month, I just, I had no idea what to do. They had been doing, um, he'd had five surgeries in a month trying to wake him up. They couldn't figure out why he wasn't waking up. And my sister kept saying, well, you should have a writing with Catherine and see if you can get some information. And I didn't want to do that, um, one, because I didn't believe that she could do it. Um, And two, if there was a God, I wasn't um, a person of faith at the time and didn't really believe in a higher power. I mean, of course, I hope there was a God who doesn't, right. but I, <laughs> right. I didn't really uh-huh. believe. But if there was one, of course, I you know, wanted to have a relationship <laughs> with them, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. So, uh, so um, and I had been, of course, 
alternately cursing this God I didn't believe in and praying to him like crazy to fix my husband. Of course, nothing's working. And so, but after a month, I thought, you know, what have I got to lose? And so my um, sister set it up by phone, and Catherine was in Washington State. She doesn't have to be right with you for her gift to work. And I was at UCLA, and um, we started, and um, that we had our first session where I was able to talk, communicate with my husband who was in a coma, and that was the first of um, what's been, you know, dozens of writings over the years and and the first of the six that are in the book. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's interesting. Now, I, I noticed that um, they're called writings. You know, a lot of people call it readings, but hers are writings because she writes down things. So. Um, yeah, she does. And, and she writes really fast. So when you're sitting there, all of a sudden she just starts writing as fast as you can see anyone write. So you know when she's doing it that it's like not something she's making up as she goes because it would be impossible to write that quickly and have it make any sense, you know, um, right. mm-hmm. unless it was coming from a different source, you know. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So um, what was your – now, you, you stated uh, that, you know, your belief system at the time wasn't, wasn't – uh, necessarily you know buying into the fact that 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 was something that you could do so um what was your um, initial um reaction to the, the very first one and at what point did you go from to a maybe an aha or oh my god or you know wait a minute when when that kind of shift happened well you know it was it was pretty instantaneous because what happened in that first writing is um, she, you know, I hear her over the phone, you, you know, you can hear like the pen scratching on the paper and then she stops and she reads this intro and all the writings have a God introduction. They all start with God welcome. And he says, or she, or whatever the source is in your mind, um, says like an introduction that's kind of a preview of what's coming. And it's all very metaphorical. And then she said, you know, I hear a man's voice and I go, well, who is it? You know? And he says, well, it's me, Kevin. And when I say he said, Catherine is telling me what that's the information mm-hmm. that she's getting. And um, it's, um, I just want to make sure I make that clear right. that he's not talking right. to me directly. So he <laughs> says, right. um, well, it's me, Kevin. And I'm like, well, where are you? And he, and he tells me he's, it's not a place. It's this sense of, you know, this experience he's having. But he he just thought that he was dreaming. He had no idea he was in this coma and had been for almost a month. And then he asked about the kids and said a few general things. And I thought, okay, well, my sister could have told Catherine, you know, what are my kids' names and a few other general things about me. And um, as I said, you know, I didn't believe she could do this in the first place. And I'm an attorney by training and just in general a pretty Mm -hmm. skeptical, you know, show me kind of a person. I I need direct experiences for anything, which is why Uh hard knocks has kind of been my choice in school of life. But in any event, um, so I thought, well, I'm just going to ask him a test question. And I just said, well, what's the last thing you remember? And what he told me is, since you read the book, you know, is he said, well, I remember getting wheeled into the surgery and reaching up and taking Linda's hand and saying, thank you for doing this, Linda. And I nearly fell off my chair because after the surgery, you know how the surgeons come out to tell you how it went, the family Uh members? And she comes out and she goes, 
She says, everything's fine. You know, don't worry. She goes, but before I get into the details, i got to tell you, your husband is just the nicest man. As we're wheeling in, Minnie reaches up and grabs my hand and says, thank you for doing this, Linda. And the only people that heard it were wow. me and my two kids. And then, you know, 20 minutes later, the artery tore in his head in the recovery room, and, you know, everything went south. And I never really even thought about it again because it's something so typical of what he would say. And when everything, like, went into crisis mode, you just don't think about stuff like that. You know, I just didn't even think right. about it until I said, what's the last thing you remember? And he said that. And then I knew I was actually speaking with him, even though he was in UCLA in the ICU in a coma with, you know, a breathing tube and a feeding tube and just, you know, he was just not doing well. And um, so in that moment, it all shifted because obviously this is a gift that comes from somewhere, you know, and um, my understanding of it, of her gift was that she'd only ever had like positive experiences with it so that no one's mm-hmm. ever felt like the, that the information was scary or threatening or, you know, it was all very positive. So, you know, when you're talking to your husband who's in a coma and it's so, and you've gotten this introduction from someone who introduces themselves as God, you know, and you're wondering whether or not that exists <laughs> at all. Well, that right. for me was a pretty good indication <laughs> that there were things uh-huh. going on that, you know, were right. beyond my immediate understanding. Right. Yeah. So, you know, and, uh, you know, it usually happens um, when, you know, it's that so, I mean, what are the odds of someone being able to pull this out, you know? And for me, that was when I, you know, really kind of um, got interested, you know, in kind of what that, you know, what's beyond, you know, was that uh, that kind of experience that I had with someone who was very much like Catherine and being able to do, what, you know, what, what she does. And, um, you know, the, the things are just so um, specific and, you know, th- and that you know that it's, no one else could know, you know, and, and my right. my background is in psychology and I loved, you know, what are the statistics, what are the odds of this happening? So it was kind of like, you know, um, I just probably like you had to just um, kind of open up to a whole new paradigm, you know, as to really what what this is all about. But, you know, it's exciting because you only know what you know. You know, when people say, well, that can't be or that thing, I'm like, well, you only know what you know. How do you know what you don't know? And so then when you then when you get to know something that you didn't even think existed before, it just opens up possibilities for everything else, you know, because then you don't look at everything so linearly, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, I remember when when I didn't think this. Yeah, that's, that's very true. Yeah. Um, so now what um, led you and Catherine to decide, you know, to basically write this book, turn your experience into the book? Well, after the first, after she did that first writing, we um, we had several more. And um, the second one was also when he was at UCLA. And um, at the end of it, it was very long. She actually came down to do it from Santa Barbara where we both live. And, um, when it was done, I said, "Guy, you know, this is, I just, I mean, I was blown away, of course. And I said, you know, you should write a book. Because um, I knew after, from talking with her after the writing, we went and had some dinner together, that she'd had hundreds and hundreds of similar stories. People in comas, people who were deceased that she's had conversations with, just all kinds of very 
I don't want to say crazy, but just unbelievable experiences. And I said, you know, you should write a book. And if you want to, I will sign a waiver and you can use my story because, my, of course, I thought my story was the best. But it really wasn't, <laughs> having heard all, a lot of the other ones that she's had over the years. Mine's pretty mild by comparison. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, nothing, you know, she didn't. And then um, we became friends. We're actually very similar in a lot of ways, except I can't talk to God and dead people. But we have kind of similar intellects and similar senses of humor, and we're both very stubborn and some other things. But we, we started to become friends. And um, and then she brought it up to me, and she said, you know, what do you think about writing a book about this? And I said, no. You know, I, I mean, my husband had only been gone about a year, and I just I couldn't even mm. think about it still. I just... You know, I cried yeah. all the time, and I just, there was just no, and I really like denial. That's like my favorite coping mechanism <laughs> and compartmentalization. Uh-huh. So there was no uh-huh. way that I wanted to go there and, like, dive deep into how I felt about everything because I didn't want to right. do it. You know, I wasn't ready. Right. And, um, but then a few years into it, we went to a Mary Morrissey conference. Do you know who she is? I, she's I've a, heard of her, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah. she's a, 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 a spiritual advisor, and she's also like a self-help-ish, you know, person. Okay. Uh-huh. Not self-help, uh-huh. that's the wrong thing. But she has this seminar called Dream Builders Live, and I decided one year, after a few years after Kevin died, I was going to have this year of personal growth and development. You know, I wasn't going to do this uh-huh. usual, lose 10 pounds, eat better, you know, exercise more. I just thought, <laughs> uh-huh. okay, I'm just going to set a bigger goal. I'm going to have a year of personal uh-huh. growth and development. And I threw it out there to the universe to see what would come my way. And Catherine said, I have this extra ticket to this Dream Builders Live thing. Why don't you come? And so I went with her. You know, why not? And um, and I thought, okay, this is going to be really hokey, and I'm not going to like it. But, you know, if, I have to, if I'm going to do personal growth, I have to start somewhere. So um, I really liked it. And when we were done and we were driving back to Santa Barbara, I said, you know, if you still want to write that book, I'll help you. And so she said, okay. And so then I just molded over because I thought, how do, I, how do we write this? You know, I've never written anything. I'm a lawyer, so I've written lots of things, but I've never written a book. I've read right. lots of books. Um, but, um, and so then I just molded over and then one day when I was driving home from the gym and James Taylor, something in the way she moves, his favorite James Taylor song that he always attributed to mm. me came on the radio and it popped into my head how to start the book, which was, what's the last thing you remember? And that's yeah. how we started. And so then I went home and I wrote the first chapter and I sent it to her and I said, okay, I'm starting. And then I said, I'm going to write this. I'm going to, I always set these like kind of unrealistic goals but i said okay i'm gonna take a, i'm gonna take a month off of work and i'm gonna write this book in a month and she's like you can't right. write it in a month i go yes i can because if you know the story you're going to tell it's not right. that hard to tell it so right. i took a month off of work and i hunkered down in my living room and a lot of the writings were recorded so i listened to them over and over to get every little word right because most of the book is the writings you know there's six mm-hmm. of them in there and i just you know wrote my parts and then handed it to Catherine and said okay go but it took her a lot longer because, you know, the spiritual um, implications of all of it is a lot more content-heavy than me just giving a narrative, which was easy by comparison. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, and, and so you were able to do it in that one month? I mean, just the... the you know, I the, did. I, mm-hmm. I wrote, I wrote right. all my stuff in a month. I mean, of course, we spent forever editing it after the fact. It was, <laughs> right. you know, too right. wordy. It was too this. It was too that. But I had, the, as since you've read the book, you know how the chapters are in really small sections, and yes. some mm-hmm. are mine and some are hers. Every All mine, and then the writing stuff, I did all that in, in a month, which is, it just seems so silly because it took 
another two years to like get it edited and you know get it actually into book form and I had to put this pressure on myself to do it in a month which was silly I could have given myself three months it wouldn't have made a difference but <laughs> but it was good you know I just I cried the whole time I just cried and cried wow. and cried and cried and then when it was done I felt a lot better you know I thought yeah. you know I feel better now that I just you know kind of relived every moment and how I felt and but had I really thought it was going to get published and people were going to read it, I probably wouldn't have written it like I did because it's really personal, and I'm a really private person, and I read it now, I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe I said all that. What was I thinking? You know, I know. now people, and people come up to me, and they write, I'm like, oh, my gosh, they feel like they know me, they want to hug me. I'm like, I don't right. me, you know, <laughs> especially now. Six feet, six feet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh, but you know, I mean, it's it's true. The one thing that I have, you know, I have just such respect for people who who do that. You know, really put their, you know, who do a memoir or a book like yours that'll, you know, kind of uh, sh- shine light on, you know, some very uh, very personal um, aspects. And uh, but you know, I think it's that vulnerability that people recognize. You know, it's, as an authentic. Um, ex, you know, experience and and it, the things that you talk about are very common. What people, you know, people go through, but and then, unless you actually go through it, you know, you just don't um, have any appreciation for uh, just all of that it involves. You know, from from yeah. you know, strength of of uh, you know, maybe knowing that the next moment is isn't going to be, you know, uh, he's, he's not going to be there. So anyway, that's what, you know what I liked about it. you know, and then the fact that they were short, um, you know, really concise entries. Um, that I liked that particular part because it, it kind of keeps the for me it kept the story moving, you know, kind of at a at a quicker pace. Yeah, well, you know, it's easy, I think. In a book like this, when you have a lot of spiritual concepts, that it's easy to, you know, it's important to kind of keep it short because that stuff is really content heavy and you have to really, yeah. like you read a couple sentences, you have to think about it, you know, and so it's nice yeah. to have it not be all of each, either one so much, you know. Oh, yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. And, you know, and definitely words or thoughts, you know, things to ponder. Um, and, and also the one of the nice uh ways that the book can be um, used, you know, aside from the full length of the story is, is that you can quickly go to a particular topic that you, you might be experiencing during that, you know, that particular day. So, I mean, you can kind of get, you know, get the message that you, you need to get, you know. Um, so anyway, to me, that was You know, and a lot of people who've read it, you know, mostly in the beginning when we were doing all these beta readers, um, they right. would read it, and then they would just earmark pages, and they'd go back to certain things that, you know, mostly from the God introductions or, you know, the, you know, the things that Catherine has to say, the kind of the spiritual implications of all the things that are happening, and they kind of reread it because it, you know, applies to something that they're going through right then, and it kind of makes them think of it. So that's good that right. you do that too. I, I've heard that before. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's that's again, that's one of those pluses, you know, for for the the book format. So now, um, how would you say that you know this experience um, has changed your um, view um, of you know of the of spirit and of the afterlife, and and then you know 
as far as skepticism, you know, you, you mentioned that you're by nature a skeptic. So has this experience um, tempered a little bit of, of what, where that skeptical um, uh, idea might just pop up? I mean, you know, has it kind of tempered skepticism or are you still as skeptical but open up the possibilities? You know, it has tempered it, and it's it's tempered a lot of things because, you know, I, I uh, when you have an experience like I've had, I mean, it's been most people don't get to speak to their deceased husband or their husband who's in a coma and talk to them about the afterlife and everything. You know, it opens up your eyes to all kinds of other things, and and then but also it it's. Um, uh, so I'm not obviously I'm not a skeptic anymore. I completely believe in a higher power and. You know, as Catherine lays out in the book, you know, people have lots of different names for it, and and um, but mm-hmm. you know, they're all essentially the same. You know, um, source, and um, so of course I completely believe that, especially having had conversations with Kevin after he's died, and he's you know relayed what it's like up there, and you know, um, uh, the after death experience. Um, but also having this experience, and this is one thing I was, one of the reasons when I wrote it, I was hoping that people would kind of get this takeaway, is that, you know, all those worries and anxieties I had just in general in life, and I'm not talking about the biggest worry I had, which was my husband had an, you know, a terminal illness, he had brain cancer, and he, n- no matter how you slice it, he wasn't going to make it as long as he would have had he not had that disease, you know, mm-hmm. but I don't sweat the small stuff like I did before, and I don't try to control things like I did before, so if Catherine was on the line right now, she'd be laughing, because she would say <laughs> that I'm I'm a very controlling person, um, and you know, of course, I think like most people, I try to control what I can, but what I've learned right. through this experience is that there's very little that I have any control over, really very very little, you know, do I pick the Big Mac or the quarter pounder with cheese? Okay, I've got some control over little things like that, right, but in the right. scheme of things in life, do I really have control over whether, you know, I'm going to get sick with this particular thing or what's going to happen to my children right. or, you know, I, I don't. And there's free will and everything, but can I really control outcomes of things? Not so much. And I used to try a lot harder to do that, and I used to shy away from things that I that couldn't be easily, you know, manipulated, but I don't mean in a devious kind of a way, but just kind of handled. I didn't usually go into situations that I couldn't, you know, handle or get myself Mm -hmm. out of or figure my way out of or think my way out of or, you know, brain my way out of, you know. Um, And um, since all this, I've I've let a lot of that go or a lot of that's just gone because, you know, when you're in a situation where you have no control over anything and you're desperately right. trying to exercise control and it has an outcome that you have nothing to do with anyway, you, re- you right. realize, you know, at the end of it that, well, all that effort in trying to control the situation, all it did was make me more anxious and stressed out, and it still ended up exactly the same way. Yeah. So I yeah. Just, I've let well, a lot of that go, and a lot of those little anxieties that come along with those little daily stressors, that stuff just doesn't bother me at all anymore. Yeah, well, that's Which good. Which is great. You know, <laughs> really, really it is. You know, and, and you know, the thing is, is uh, you know, each person really kind of has to, 
you know, go through, you know, their own experiences. And, and you know, to me, um, with someone like you, with your life experience and your perspectives and uh, having gone through a, a, you know, really traumatic and dramatic, you know, experience and then having a completely different perspective on things. To me, that path is just so important right now because there are so many people who are in that, you know, structured, limited, you know, type of view. And yet the world requires so much more of the, the newer view of, you know, what controlling what one can and, and truly recognizing that in the scheme of things, adds very little to, you know, what, what you have control over. Well, and especially these days with, Corona mm-hmm. right now. I mean, I I don't. Um, I'm sure this will be broadcast while well, this is still a pandemic. I don't, I can't see this ending <laughs> yes. anytime soon. But right. I mean, this is the the classic. You know, so in your face, the universe saying, "Hey, no, you know, nobody controls anything." I mean, look, this virus has controlled everything um, right. worldwide now for a while, and it looks like it's going to do that going forward. And all those things that those people everyone was so worried about beforehand all their regular lives. Like I remember thinking myself, like just before this Corona stuff, how, how I was, you know, my weeks were so scheduled and I had board meetings and I take golf lessons and I do this and I do that. And every day was so busy and I was always so busy. And, um, and then this happens and everything just stops and you have no control over anything. You can't even leave your house. And it, it's been really, and it's been really interesting to see how, what, how people have handled that. But it, yeah. it, I've been thinking that this whole thing, that this has just really been a big example of how little we we really control anything in our environment. And how oh, when we think that we do, it, it can really come and bite <laughs> us in the you-know-what, you know? It's your can. It's your can. You know, in, in addition to also the the – uh, just the the change in the global impact and on, on um environment you know just, i mean if ever you know there were, were to be a demonstration of man's impact on on the globe um in the world we live i mean you know the dramatic change is just to me it you know the, the number of denial you can see the himalayas in india yeah. now there are fish swimming in venice in the canal yeah they haven't yeah. had a fish in the canal in how long, and they're fishing there now because the boats aren't in there. It's, it's amazing. And, and yeah, how quickly it's happened, too. That's the other yes. thing that's so shocking is how quickly the earth has, you know, kind yeah. of come back, rebounded. Yeah, step forward with the animals kind of, yeah, going out on their own. Wow. Well, um, we're about halfway through the show, Jocelyn. I want to take just a quick break. And since we're streaming live, I do want to invite listeners, if they want to call in and ask any questions, they can call in at 619-789-4359. And for those listening live in the chat room, if you have any questions, feel free to pose them. And then when we come back, it's only a 90-second break, but when we come back, I want to talk about your kids, you know, how your kids are, are doing through all of this, Okay. 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 Great. Everyone stay tuned. We'll be right back after this very brief break. Hello, this is Robert Sharp. I want to thank you for joining us and hope that you are enjoying today's show. Just a reminder that we have a wealth of information and resources available on our website, byteradio.me. There is a calendar of upcoming shows along with an archive link 
that will give you access to more than 1,400 shows we have had over the past nine years. Also on the site is a link to the products and services we provide, books, photography, a wellness store, and self-publishing assistance. Our show is a free podcast on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. And you can subscribe for free on any of those platforms by using the links on our website homepage. We are on many social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, etc. And we also have buttons to those platforms at the top of our homepage. Our website, ByteRadio.me, has much for you to explore and enjoy. I also very much appreciate you supporting our guests, and especially today's guest. And now, back to the show. Okay, everyone. Thank you for staying with us. And, and in addition to the, the platforms I listed, we have now been added to Spotify and Google Play. So check us out there. So today, my very special guest is Jocelyn Montanero. And she, along with co-author Catherine A. Weisenberg, have written a book called Beyond Ever After, A Heart-to-Heart Journey Through Death and the Afterlife. Um, And again, you can find out more um, about them and the book by visiting their website, which is www.beyondeverafter.com. And so that, we're back. Uh, Jocelyn? Okay, great. Great. Okay, so tell us about how the kids um, are were through this, you know, because again, you know, they uh, they they were younger, so you know, your shift from your belief system, you know, to this newer perspective or the, this other perspective, um, how how did they fare through this? Well, you know, my kids. Uh, were um, cri- were Christians by upbringing. Um, we we sent them to a Christian school in Santa Barbara. Um, I didn't. It's funny when we went for the tour. I said, you know, I don't believe in this stuff, but this is a great education, and I want them to have it. <laughs> and and, uh-huh. and they're like, that's okay, you know. Um, and then they made the comment about so there's something in the Bible about the children lead or something like that. They said something like that, and I was like, yeah, right, you know. Um, but my kids um, were, are, were Christians, and they, um, at first, didn't um, like this. They, um, they thought that, um, that their dad, Kevin, wouldn't like it because, as you know, or I mean, you don't know this, but in the Bible, there's some kind of cautionary language about people who have this kind of gift, Right. And there's also language that says that it's also the gift of the Spirit. So depending on just like pretty much everything else, you can find <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, something supporting it and something, you know, not supporting it. Right. And um, But they were they were concerned that um, he wouldn't um, think it was a Christian thing. And right. also um, that, um, you know, they didn't really believe that Catherine – was doing it, and they were worried that I was just getting, you know, fed information that wasn't accurate. And right. then um, in the um, third writing in the book, he, he, Kevin had a writing with the children, and what that was about was um, he, um, as you know from the book since you read it, when he was at UCLA, 
he wanted me to take him to a hospice facility instead of bringing him home when pretty much everything wasn't working. And um, while we were there, Catherine reached out to me and said, you know, I get this feeling that I need to do another writing. She calls them nudges. And, you know, and I said, okay, because by this point I'd, I'd had two, and I figured if there was if she thought that someone needed to say something to me, there was I wasn't going to say no. And, right. and you know, and I want to point out at this point that, you know, Catherine wasn't being paid. She wasn't asking me for money. You know, there wasn't – she was just doing this to be of service as she – is really has devoted her life is to be of service. So it wasn't like she was, you know, making us money right. per hour by doing this this for me. She's just doing it. And so um, when he was at the hospice facility in Santa Barbara, he we did another writing and and the children were there. And at first they were you know very skeptical. They didn't really believe it was him. And they did their own test question where they mm-hmm. asked him, you know, what happened at this trip with our neighbors, and we owned a boat with them, and what happened was um, Kevin forgot to put the plug in the back of the boat and sunk it at, 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 on the first day of our trip at, at Bass Lake with our neighbors, our one-week trip with our boat. He sunk it. And they asked him this question, you know, what happened, and he, he answered into the water, he, you know, that the boat, he sunk the boat. And so once they said he said that they believed it was him and he was able to have a real conversation with them about why he lived his life the way he did and what were his his credo for living um and why it was important to be good to each other but more importantly to be good to those people that you don't even know you know kevin was just an exceptional human being just one of those people that is just so much better than you even though you're great I, i'm sure you're great you know i'm i'm sure he would be greater but because he just he was just like that he was just one of those people right. you know just everyone there uh-huh. was anyone that ever had anything unkind and to say about him um so so they had kind of a conversation with him and and they they, they shifted with what they thought about it but then after he died and i kept doing it they they weren't that they weren't thrilled about it um especially my youngest son who was 13 at the time because he it's he felt like it was cheating and um he hmm. said you know no one else gets this opportunity you know why do you why you know and also he said you know that's not the way the order of things go you know that's not the order of life you're born you spend time with people here and then you're gone and then you hopefully see them again afterwards but you don't get to keep in touch with them when you're still here and they're there you know in the normal yeah. course of things and um and so he just thought it kind of wasn't healthy, that it kept me from kind of moving on with my life, mm-hmm. which I don't mm-hmm. think it, it did. But I, I understood his concerns. You know, I mean, it is a, a different, you know, thing. Um, but, they've, but they were always really supportive about the book and, and, and the experience. And, and, and they've always all felt like if it, if it benefited me, they were happy for that. But they didn't want it, especially my youngest, to get to be – where I was so dependent on, I couldn't function without right. constantly checking in with him, which hasn't been the case. Right. You know, so. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and now. My, my youngest, who was just who had just turned thirteen when Kevin died, is going to be twenty in a month. Oh wow! And he's home from college, you know, hunkering down, um, back with his mom. <laughs> in the house, <laughs> and it's and I'm really enjoying it, um, but. Um, and then, no, you know, that, I that's Kevin, Will, I think, correct? That's Will, yeah. And, I, and yeah. I think about, it's funny being hunkered down like this. I've been thinking about, I mean, I think about Kevin every day, but I, I just so wish he was here 
for this because these are such unprecedented times. And I've been really amazed and warmed, like, in a collective conscious kind of a way, how much the world has stepped up to do this hunkering down and sheltering in place, not for their own benefit, but for other people. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's just been a lot of really, I think, good that's come out of it, too, to see how people have really banded together to help each other, you know, in ways that I didn't. I didn't think that they would, but I, yeah. I, uh, I'm digressing there. I've just been thinking about them a lot more with all this going on because, of course, yeah. I can't help but not, you know. Right, of course, yeah. When everyone's you know, worried it, about, you know, yeah. am I going to get, am I going to be, am I going to be dead in 14 days? You know? I know, I know. You know, it it truly brings out the best and the worst, <laughs> you know, in it folks. Does. You know, I mean, it really does. You know, in in those kinds of of stress. Now, the one. Um, one line from the book that, that really stuck out was the one toward the end where uh, Will and the um, oncologist were talking. And, yeah. And, uh, yep, Will I know which one you're going to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That it was going to either make him bitter or better and he's gonna he felt yeah. better so to me that was you know that one just kind of gave me those chills you know those like things that stand up like this is like the message <laughs> you know kind of like wake and you up know you know what know. It, mm-hmm. it it did and when yeah. he said that to the oncologist i could like the guy looked at him like you're kidding and he goes how old are you and he goes, mm-hmm. I just turned 13. And he just shook his head. And I was like, I'm like, wow, man, you're awesome. I mean, he, and, and he's, for losing a, a, you know, he was only, he had just turned nine when Kevin first got sick. And so for most of his life, you know, he was sick or gone, you know. Right, right. And, and he has just, he's come out great. You know, I, I worried about that, you know, not having a dad at that, those, you know, mm-hmm. formidable years, and right. you know, and you know, I, I, do you have children? No, I don't. No, but okay. Um, well, if you did, yeah. you would know that yeah. parents compliment each other, and so having just you know me left and not him to temper me, I think he it, it wasn't right. uh, the easiest road to hoe to just have like a double mom and not a mom and a dad. But um, yeah. you know, we have a great relationship, and we still have a great relationship. And if I could say anything that out of it all, we maintained a great relationship. I think that's a, that's a win, you know? Oh, it is. Yeah, it is. And, and, you know, the, the one thing, wasn't it, um, uh, Kevin's brother that died of the same, um, uh, tumor kind of thing that he did? Yeah. 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 And you know, I don't know if it's the exact same tumor, but his younger brother got, a brain cancer when he was like 14 and this is you know way back when when you know they didn't they couldn't they didn't have MRIs or anything like that and it was in right. his brain stem um, but it it killed him when he was I mean he died from it when he was 17 and um, so uh, and that was a worry when he first got sick the first thing he asked the oncologist was what about my kids you know because my brother right. You know, and he said, "You know, it's the we it's we don't see that we we see siblings. You know, there's, it's not like there's a brain cancer gene, like there's a breast cancer gene. Um, but mm-hmm. he said they see siblings not more often than more often because whatever genetic particular makeup those parents had together, or maybe the mother mm-hmm. was exposed to something when she was pregnant with both of them, they just don't know. Yeah. But it's weird to have his brother have died 
you know, of the same thing. And he says in the book um, that that really shaped him. And, you know, it's funny because he didn't really talk to me much about that when he was, you know, all those years. Because when I met him, his brother had been, you know, gone for, you know, 15 years. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't really a part of our – although we named named our our first son after him, which is kind of nice, Chris, Christopher. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's um that's one of the you know big concerns that you have when something happens with children, you know, experience such a a loss at a young age is, is you just you in a way you want to kind of shelter them from that, you know, and and hope and pray that it doesn't um be a um a difficult you know, something difficult for them in, in the future. And, and, um, and I, I don't know, I just think maybe it's because they're, they got a lot less experience that it's, um, I think they're, they do pretty good in, in assimilating and, and, um, and just kind of having a, that inner knowing, you know, that, that it's, mm-hmm. it's fine. I don't know. That's well, just been my experience. Well, and he definitely, um, like I said, he's almost 20 now, and he, mm-hmm. th- those teenage years, when I was watching his friends do a bunch of really stupid you-know-what stuff, and he largely avoided that, and um, I think it was um, because, and we actually discussed it at the time, is that, you know, he'd say they they don't really know what life is about. You know, ha- him having gone through that experience, having his dad get sick at when he's nine and then died when he just turned 13, it gave him a maturity and a perspective that other kids his age lacked, which I think has really helped him, you know, avoid a lot of the pitfalls that other, you know, teenagers mm-hmm. these days especially, you know, fall into because he just had a different perspective about what's important and what isn't and what's precious and what isn't, you know. And it's yeah. not, you know, going out with your friends and, you know, seeing how much beer you can drink on a Friday night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank goodness. Yeah. But you know, and and that's the you know, that's the one thing there was um one entry um in, in the book that also I like to talked about, you know, just the um the recognition of how precious each moment is, you know, when you're kind of going through that process of, of someone uh, dying. Yeah, and, you know, and, and of course, and you still have so many regrets, you know, um, and I was lucky. I was, you know, grateful in a way that I'd had this heads up that he was going to, um, you know, when 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 Kevin was first diagnosed, he died three and a half years later. So I had three years. I knew it was going to come back and it was going to kill him. The oncologist told us that brain cancer always comes back. And it usually comes back in a worse form. He had a grade three to start, grade four is glioblastoma, which is what happened. And so I knew it was going to come back and he was going to die. And so I spent the last three and a half years of his life doing, you know, just trying to make all of it as good as I could. Because what Mm -hmm. I didn't want is when it was done to have regrets about, you know, unkind words or whatever, you know. So I really, I was lucky I had the opportunity to have that time to not have those regrets. And even with that, I still have them. I still wish I had said things and done things and, you know, and, but, and part of what we talk about in the book is like, don't wait to do that because you just don't know, you know, when you're going to have that opportunity again, and you might not, you know? 
Yeah, yeah. Like um, this whole uh, corona thing, I've been reaching uh, out to people that I haven't seen in a long time or talked to, and I've just, like, sent a text that said, you know, I haven't seen you or talked to you in a long time, and even for paths, don't ever cross again. I really enjoyed having you in my life at the time that we did, and I hope that you're well, and I just wanted to say yeah. hi. And, and yep. some people have connected back, and some people haven't, but I feel good just reaching out and just saying, hey, right. I, I thought of you, and I enjoyed you, even though it was college or whatever, you know, and I just <laughs> uh-huh. want to say, hey, you were important to me, and I, I want to acknowledge that. Yeah. And yeah. I don't think but, I'd be doing that if it wasn't for this whole experience. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's, you know, that's the, um, I know, I, I find that, um you know, in this particular time that we really do need to, to do that, reach reach out. And speaking of, you know, um, how you are doing things differently, um, you are a lawyer and you've, um, you know, your practice was, was dealing with, um, you know, divorcing couples and criminals and just general litigation. So um, how has this experience, this new perspective, um affected your view of practicing law or or is it not really affected at all you know in the sense that it's kind of clean cut sometimes you know it didn't really affect it at all because i um you know how some people when they're like a lawyer or a doctor it's like that's who they are it's not just what they do right. to money <laughs> you know I, that's just what i did to earn money it wasn't you know okay. i didn't have any of my um personality or perspective of myself wrapped up into it and, and and it always amused me when I would meet people and they and I and they'd say what are you doing I'd say oh, I'm a lawyer and then of course they instantly look at you different and I'm like why are you looking at me different it doesn't mean I know more than you or I'm better than you I'm just a little better educated uh-huh. but trust me you know I don't I don't uh-huh. have a, I don't have any the answer to anything other than you know what happens in this particular circumstances you know with the uh-huh. law but I don't you know I'm not uh-huh. a higher being yeah. or anything and I always thought it was funny when people you know think that about themselves or think that about right. other people. So no, for me, it didn't change it at all because I was never that attached to it to start with. But I think I was good. pretty good at it. I just wasn't like yeah. super attached to it. Well, that's, you know, and that's, and that's good. You know, I mean, again, I, you're right. Some people, that's kind of what defines them. And of course, you know, in, in today's uh, Corona environment, people, I think the people who, have defined themselves as their job or, or, you know, kind of what they do. Yeah. I'm not able to do that or kind of recognizing that, you know, Hey, (laughs) something's amiss, you know, I'm kind of having to, Mm -hmm. you know, to be more than a lawyer or or an accountant or whatever. But anyway, so yeah, very much. So now what do you hope um, you and Catherine hope that um, this book um, is going to do for the reader? What are some of your hopes for the book? Well, for I mean, for for Kevin, I he always wanted to. It's on. I put his bucket list in the book. He always wanted to take a missions trip, and he was just too sick to do it. And um, so I was kind of for me, for him, this book is kind of the missions trip he never got to take because, I mean, you've read it and the things that he talks about when he's dead and when he's in a coma, like the perspective that he has on what's happening or what isn't happening um, and what it's like and what's important and what isn't important. Um, you know, all that stuff is, I think, helpful to anybody, you know, who reads it. But for me, the takeaway that I would hope people get are 
that the main thing is that you don't fear death. And I, like mm-hmm. everyone else, I feared it because I didn't know what was going to happen. And I was, you know, I like the life I have now, even if it's not great all the time. I, I know what it's like, you know. <laughs> I, I know right. what this experience is like here. And I was worried about dying like everybody else. And I think a lot of it's because, you know, you feel like dying is a failure. When someone dies, it's like something's gone wrong, you know. Right. And yeah. Kevin, in the, from the very first writing, said, you know, death isn't a failure. I know you see it like that, but it's not. And it's not a punishment to you. And I know you see it like that, and it's not. And I think that everyone fears death. And from this whole experience I've had, I don't worry about it anymore. I'd like to have a nice long life. I'd like to see my grand, see my grandkids and see them grow up and experience being older. I mean, I wish Kevin was here, but I'd like to have a not nice long life. But when the end comes, I'm not worried about it. I know there's something afterwards. I'm positive. So I don't worry about it because I know it's just a transition. It's not that something is wrong or a failure. And then the other thing is... Um, that, you know, we are all, um, you know, we're protected and we're safe, even in all these trying times. You know, what's the absolute worst that could happen to anybody? Well, their their life ends, and then they have mm-hmm. a new life. I mean, everything is okay. And that's, I really feel like, and I didn't feel like, like this before, that I'm okay. Even if I'm, things aren't going well and I'm having a bad day or I'm having whatever issues I'm having, I know everything in the long run is really okay. And not feeling stressed about the daily ups and downs of life and not worrying about dying um, (laughs) is a big (laughs) thing. And also, um, if people feel like, and I've gotten this a lot, that people when someone's died, they feel like it's personal to them, like it happened to them. And that that maybe they could have done something, you know, that they're being punished somehow. I mean, even after Kevin died and all this stuff I'd gone through, I would walk around the house by myself sometimes at night crying, looking up and going, really, really, me, why me, him? I mean, years later, Uh I'm just like, you know, and often there'd be a glass of wine involved, then I'm really (laughs) ranting and raving up at the ceiling, you know. And uh-huh. but but I know I'm still held in, in wide loving uh-huh. arms and but that doesn't and I also know that 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 he's that whatever source is out there he can take all my mental tantrums directed at him you know it's okay yeah. to be it's okay to feel everything that you feel and you know of course it's not okay to be a bad person and to hurt other people and all that but all no. the other stuff it's just it's just part of this human experience we're having and I think people get so. Um, judgmental and self-critical about what the experience they're having that it's not like, quote, the right one. But they're all okay. You know, they're all the experience and they're all okay. And I just hope people, like, when you finished reading it, didn't you feel, like, hopeful and that, you know, things were okay? Yeah, Yeah, you know, it was one of those um, books that, yeah, when you're you're done, I I kind of had the the feeling, I've kind of had that perspective of the afterlife for for a while but it was it was to me it was reaffirming and again you know in today's environment you kind of you know you you uh kind of look at it through today's lens you know and and um and it's different and it does make it it's like okay you know this is this is cool you know this this kind of global um awareness raising event you know you know we're just a part of that, you know, and, and mm-hmm. just play my part. I'm here to play my part, you know, and, and kind of like, you know, when you mentioned about um, having a, 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 
a shout out, you know, with, with a glass of wine. Why me? Why me? I mean, it was, you know, the, the vision I got was kind of like Kevin just laughing. Was like, Haha, you know, you're enjoying that little, you know, doesn't mean anything kind of um, expression, you know, in, in the scheme of things. Well, you know so anyway. what's funny about that, that glass of wine ranting and raving thing? So I would get these unsolicited messages from Kevin sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, um, and there's one in the book. Actually, there's two of them in the book. And after one of those nights of ranting and raving at the ceiling, I get this call in the morning from Catherine. She's like, hey, is everything okay? I'm like, uh, yeah, why? And she's like, oh, is everything okay last night? I'm like, uh, yeah, why? <laughs> I go, she goes, are you sure? I'm like, uh, because I'm thinking, okay, uh-oh. And she goes, oh, because, you know, Kevin just, you know, he just, I have something for you, and he, he, and she sends me this thing, and he's like, and, and then she calls me afterwards, and she's laughing. She goes, you really didn't, you you really not, aren't doing that, are you? Because in the writing, he's, he said, come on, Joss, really? Walking around the house, <laughs> ranting and raving at the ceiling, he's like, please go get some counseling. Please go get some grief counseling. Just go. Just go. And it had been, he'd been gone for over a year. Wow. And he's like, just yeah. go, just go, just go. And I didn't want to go. I was really resistant. I don't need anyone to tell me anything. You know, I know everything. And so I didn't want to go. Right. And, um, but, and, and she, and Catherine was laughing. She's like, you know, cause I can't get away with anything. You know, he sees everything. So, so I went and I told her about me ranting and raving at the ceiling. She goes, ah, that's totally normal. And she goes, you're fine. And she goes, perfectly normal. And then I go, really? And she goes, yeah. And I said, well, when's that going to stop? And she goes, well, how long has he been gone? I told her. She goes, well, you know, within the next month or so. And it never happened again. Once she wow. told me that, yeah. it was, that that was all a normal experience, then I felt like I was okay right. to have it, and I didn't feel guilty about it. And so right. I think just talking to that person made me think that however I'm doing this grief thing, it's okay. And because I felt yeah. guilty about, you know, crying to the ceiling and, you know, course, complaining yeah. to God and Kevin. And, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, you're not supposed to be mad at people who are dead. So when I'm like, at the yeah. door, you're really, Kevin, yeah. really, you left me alone with these, you know, ah, the kids and the dogs and this and that. And, you know, oh, <laughs> <laughs> you know this is a dog. And so, <laughs> but then I get wow. the call the next day. Oh, is everything okay? And I was just like, uh-oh. <laughs> Boy, boy. Well, this has really been a, a delight, uh, Jocelyn. I really want to thank you for your time today. I've, I've re- really enjoyed speaking with you. Me too. And I hope you stay well where you are. And all of the people out there listening, I hope you all stay well too. And and our website is www.beyondeveraffter.com. We have a place where people can write in and share their stories. We didn't even talk about the divine, the squirrel thing, the divine synchronicity thing. But um if you have a story you want to share about an experience you've had, I always write back. So um, if you share your Great. story, you will get a, you know, I'll write you back. Because people write in about the kind of experiences I've had where, like, you know, they're in a room and they smell their grandmother's perfume and she's been gone forever, or they're driving in their car and they're thinking about their sister and the favorite song that they had together as kids comes on the radio. You know, all those little things that let people know right. that, the people who are gone are still here with you because, of course, they are, and they're always sending us all those little signs. So people, sometimes they like to write in and share those. And if you'd like to, you know, you'll get a reply back. And our book is That's available perfect. on Amazon. Exactly, yeah. And, and it's it's a beautiful website, and, and um, yeah, so people can um, write in their story. That would be great. So I'm thinking that maybe their contributions uh, might lead to a Beyond Ever After Part two, <laughs> or you know, beyond, it's funny because when we first wrote this, and I, I already was thinking how I'd write the second one, but this is—it's uh-huh. a lot of effort yeah. to 
you know, it's easier to say, oh, I'll write a book than it is to actually, actually do it. But, and I have to say kudos to Catherine. She's the one that spearheaded getting it into the final form. So definitely shout out to her. Well, thank you, Jocelyn. And um, now people can uh, find out again by visiting your website, which is www.beyondeverafter.com. And I thank you, want to thank you again for your time. Okay, thanks so much for having me, and I hope you all have a great day. Thank you. You as well. Stay safe yourself. Okay. Bye. All right. Bye. And again, everyone, today my very special guest has been Jocelyn Montanero, and she, along with co-author Catherine A. Weisenberg, have authored the book Beyond Ever After, A Heart-to-Heart Journey Through Death and the Afterlife. And again, you can find out more by visiting www.beyondeverafter.com. And there is a tab there for you to share your story, and I'm sure they would love to hear from you. Um, And again, as as, uh, Jocelyn mentioned, the book is available at amazon.com. So everyone, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. And until we meet again. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. To follow our show, visit our homepage at byteradio.me and select the platform you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Byte Radio Me. Until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.